Hey everyone, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and I just wanted to give a big shout-out and thank you to all of you, our loyal listeners and viewers. We've been doing this for almost three years now, and that's mostly because of your support and your encouragement, which we really do appreciate. If you would like to help the show but don't have the funds available to donate directly, remember that if you plan on doing any online shopping at Amazon.com, if you first click through the Amazon banner on our website at NoGutsNoGalaxy.net, it'll give us a little kickback without adding anything to your bill. It's a great way to support the show and allow us to continue creating a wide variety of free Battletech and MechWarrior content for your pleasure. Are you buying something specific and want to share your story? Send me an email at bombadil at nogutstonegalaxy.net and maybe your email will be read live in the next podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and enjoy the show. The Inner Sphere Chronicles with your host, Walter Tucker. Join me now as I examine the events and decisions, both past and present, that have shaped the course of human history across the Inner Sphere. In September of 3057, the Free Worlds League military launched a joint campaign with the Capellan Confederation that targeted several planets controlled by the Federated Commonwealth, particularly Davion-held planets. These attacks were in retaliation for Victor Steiner Davion's decision to cover up the death of Joshua Merrick, son of Captain General Thomas Merrick, and replace the boy with a double after Joshua died of leukemia while being treated at the new Avalon Institute of Science. Dubbed Operation Guerrero, the Free Worlds League and Capellan Confederation were both successful beyond their wildest dreams, taking back several worlds that had been lost to them since before the Fourth Succession War. Operation Guerrero also succeeded in destabilizing the region, creating the hotbed of contested worlds known as the Chaos March. Victor's decision would have further ramifications, as his sister, Catherine Steiner Davion, saw the debacle as her window to secede the Lyran half of the Federated Commonwealth from the nation built by their now legendary parents, bringing an effective end to their legacy and kicking off the Fedcom Civil War. So just how important is the life of one child? In the case of Joshua Merrick, his death and the cover-up that came afterwards was significant enough for nations to go to war. One life lost, and look at the difference. I'm Walt Tucker, and this has been an Inner Sphere Chronicle. The Inner Sphere Chronicles is written by David Martin, with additional material by George Ledoux. Produced and performed by George Ledoux and Voices in My Head Productions. Any similarity to persons living or dead is a product of your imagination. Prepare yourself for more face-melting, metal-stopping music. Armor will be pierced. Fluid will be spilled. Machines will fall. Warriors will rise. Animatronic brings you a soundtrack for armored combat. Available now from NoGutsNoGalaxy.net. Join the invasion. No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. (laughs) 
Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast 118. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is August 13th, 2014, and I'm joined by Darren. Hey, everyone. And today's co-host, Brandon Catrickell. Oh, hi, everybody. How's it going? And Tyler Yeager 12. Hello. All right. We've got a uh, special guest here. We call him uh, Strafe. Some people call him Side Strafe. Sometimes he strafes in games. What's going on, uh, Strafe? How you doing? Gentlemen, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. So we don't have a uh, Scottish uh, angry person here, so we figured what's the next best thing is to have a... Strafe angry strafe. Yeah, angry strafe. So anyways, man, uh, if you... By the way, guys, if you're uh, listening live or if you're uh, out there listening to the podcast, if you haven't checked out, uh, Side Strafe drops with us quite a bit of times, and he has a bunch of YouTube videos as well. Check them out, and we've got that link in the show notes as well. So uh, yeah, um, just a quick little uh, input here. Uh, strafe, how long... Did well previously as backup. You've played MWO now, and what are some of the previous titles that you played as far as Mac? Uh, we could go back to you know some of the uh, stuff on console even, and then like like Sega Genesis and things like that, and then BattleTech Solaris on AOL, and then up from there, MechWarrior Two big time, um, all the expansions, and then probably for some reason not as much of three and four, but. That's pretty much the history before MWO. Okay, so you have, you know, a few years of experience. So at least he, he has that. So it's not he's like a, he's a complete novice. Yeah, he's a mech warrior veteran. He's not necessarily a battle tech veteran. Uh, we do have to get him into, um, you know, tabletop and maybe mega mech. Um, however, I do want to point out also, just for the people that are listening and aren't going to look for the links, you can check out Side Strafe on YouTube. Just search Side Strafe as well as Twitch. He's twitching a lot lately. So uh, watch him on there. All right, so we have some discussion topics today, and I want your guys' opinions on them. Um, a lot of things have changed in the last few weeks, um, one of those being some weapon changes. First off on the list, um, PPCs. Now, the discussion previously was proposed by uh, Paul that there was a few different ways to break this up, which was to uh, desync them in a way with uh, some of the ballistic weapons via a, a mechanic, sort of, you know, like to, so you can't fire you know, a peep and a goss or a combination thereof, or to slow it down. Uh, he chose to slow down the rounds. Um, I first want to sort of ask, uh, Tyler, your thoughts on the PPC slowdown, because you, you had some opinions last night. Um, are they good? Are they bad? Are they... What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the PPC slowdowns, mostly because it gives rise to other things like ER large laser and gauss camping. And I've said it many times before that I'm not a proponent of anything that promotes static gameplay, just sitting around hills, hill humping. That's about as boring as the game gets to me. So uh, I don't approve of the PPC changes. It gives it uh, takes one less tool out of your bag, uh, and it still leaves the PPC extremely strong at close range as well. Uh, the change I've proposed here on the podcast several times would have been to increase the cooldown time between shots. 
on the BPC. Therefore, when the real close-range weapons get into brawling range, the PPC has its DPS considerably reduced, so those brawling weapons can do great. But right now, the PPC is still an extremely strong weapon at point-blank range, up to 90 meters. So, uh, not a huge fan overall. Well, see, I'm a little confused, and I brought this up last night when I was talking to you, that it, maybe even in the competitive scene right now, for the most part, people that run the PPC Goss or whatever combo with that, right, because of synergy, most of the engagements take place 800 and closing. I mean, most of the time, you guys end up, you know, a brawl, and especially with SRMs back on the table, with the, the mediums taking those. Is it really that drastic of an issue that, I mean, would you have not done it as much, like, as 50 per... Well, it's like 40-some-odd percent reduction in speed. I mean, it's pretty close to 50. I mean, is it... Was it too much, or would you have just gone a different direction? Well, it would have been nice to see little changes instead of dropping it straight to 850, dropping it from 1500 to, like, 1200 or 1100, see how that looks. Uh, but, I, I mean, I understand why they did it. Of course, Russ put out a, a tweet saying that they like the engagements all being under 600 meters now. Uh, that's not the case with uh, Clan and regular ER large lasers, but... Uh, it's okay if this is the direction the game's going to go. We'll all adapt to it and see how it works. Uh, still doing science right now, figuring out how the meta exactly has changed because of this. So we'll deal with it. Now, Strafe, I know you had an opinion about uh, one of the second weapons we're going to talk about, but did you have any thoughts on the PPC? I mean, I, I don't know if you used him very much. I know you were... He's been know. rolling his awesome uh, every once in a while. So oh, I mean, yeah, I think... yeah. So, I mean, what are your thoughts, uh, Strafe? Um, I'm kind of more so like, and, and Darren and I uh, have been talking about this a lot, um, and he's briefed me on what they were described uh, in, in lore as man-made lightning. Part of me wonders if they should be, you know, a ball of energy versus, you know, a bolt of lightning coming out of a gun versus, you know, would that solve something? Is it, is it too much like a ballistic weapon? in the first place is, is maybe that part of the problem. I don't know, but um, I'm not necessarily, I can't say that I'm knowledgeable enough on the PPC to, to, to really have a, a good opinion on it. Uh, I don't use it a lot. I have been using it on the awesome. It will make it a little bit more difficult for me to uh, be effective with it because I would use the awesome as like a, a, an assault support. I would come up uh, with larger mechs that, that can take a beating and just go up next to them and, and, and shoot those PPCs off and then kind of back off to cool off a little bit. So that's how I would use it, but I don't know that I'm inclined to use it as much anymore after uh, the hit. Well, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm a little I'm on the other side of the fence, which is, we've talked about PPCs in length. I mean, we've, we've talked about PPCs for well over a year and just how why was the need uh, or why was the change needed so i guess if you looked at that right we, we were just talking about this a few weeks uh, last podcast actually and then the week prior of it's because ppcs as actually a ballistic weapon that's what they were just imagine a ac round as a ppc that's it, it, it what it is so it's delivering all of its damage from one location unless it's the, the clan uh version and that accompanied with ac5 or goss being at very similar velocities would hit in one location at extreme ranges. I, I think we can agree on that, right? I mean, that that was... That's why everyone was complaining about the dire well, that it, you know, it could do... I mean, if you're standing still, that's one thing, but it's being able to peg you in one area at 900 meters away 
and do that constantly over and over and over. I mean, whether it was Shadowhawk doing it with AC5s and a peep or whatever, I think that's 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 what the heart of it was. And a lot of people said, you know, okay, well, we'd like to see that change. Well, it was I, it was that and that it's super effective at close range as well inside of the brawling weapon ranges. So what I always wonder is why are why don't we change the mechanic of the PPC? I guess, and you guys have heard me talk about this. Uh, you know, Strafe, you just mentioned manly, man-made lightning. Um, you know, we know PPCs in lore have a charge. Now, I'm not saying you use lore as a, you know, like, has to happen. But why don't we change the mechanic so that it desyncs them from all the other weapon systems like that? That's what they want, per se. That it can still be used at long range, um, but in short range to per se, but it actually takes some type of... I mean, whether it's a bolt, uh, you know, where the entire thing, where there's a charge mechanic, and it's a this lightning, you know, stream coming out. I, I had a reference of a, of a, a picture, if, if you will, from a, the movie uh, District 9, that one lightning weapon, you know, and you'd have to hold the entire, you know, thing on. I mean, again, just sort of going back to if PPCs, people aren't happy with them being the way they are, too slow, and people aren't happy with the fact that they can be so effective at long and short range Brandon what are your thoughts well I always thought that the gauss rifle wasn't the thing that should have gotten the charge to begin with because as you said in lore it was always the PPC that had the charge up time um, as far as the changes proposed I don't think I honestly don't think it'll really change anything still I still think the PPC, even with the changes, is still going to be king just because it is that sniper pinpoint weapon. If this is the way it's going to be, I guess, um, you know, and, and we just sort of adapt, um, I guess this rolls into our next topic of the, you know, the clan ER large and ER large lasers in general. The clan ER large being very, very powerful. Um, they did nerf that with a uh, increased duration and a slight heat increase. First, it was, um, you know, ghost heat you can only shoot one and then if you shot two and they change that back to two um is this necessarily a bad thing i mean you, you said it yourself thing you don't know how this is going to play out but you're just worried about it just being stalkers with you know four year large again yeah that's my primary concern i mean at least with the ppcs there's a lot, there's more skill involved you need to lead shots at range extreme range even and a lot of times if uh, in the jump sniping fights and the static ones. I'm not a huge fan of those, but it is difficult to hit people in air-to-air shots with your ballistic weapons. So there's there's a level of skill there, but with large laser spam, you just stare at your enemy, kind of paint them all over, and you drop them 5% of their armor. And you do that enough times, it adds up, attrition, and then they'll die eventually, or be weakened that enough you can uh, close. But lasers take considerably less skill for... Uh, there's way more less skill put into what you get out of them. You're getting way more out than what you're putting in. So that's a problem to me and something I wanted to avoid, but that's the way the game's going to be now with PPCs moving so slow. I guess my biggest issue with the, the changes to the PPC, and again, like everybody else, I understand what the intention is, but essentially that it just moved to being paired with AC-10s now. And, and I feel like it's going to be the same issue, just at a little bit shorter range. So it didn't, I, again, I, and, and I probably agree with both Strafe and you, Phil, um, that it's more of a mechanic issue. Although I do think that um, Tyler's suggestion for, you know, the, the charge, or not the charge up time. What's the word I'm looking for, Tyler? Recycle. recycle. Yeah, recycle. Thank you. 
um, is very interesting. And, and I do remember you bringing that up a while back. And I can't really, is there any downside to that? Well, is basically it... what, what he's suggesting is you, you're dropping the DPS potential. You're not dropping the volley potential. Well, so and desyncing them. No, no, no. What he was saying is you, 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 you're well, not. Right. He's not desyncing the speed. It's desyncing the shots. So if the Gauss yes. is still four second right. cooldown, PPC goes to a five or six. Exactly. You're 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 either going to wait for your uh, PPC to be cooled down, and then so that's decreasing your Gauss DPS as well. Or you're going to fire him one at a time, which you know, of course, takes twice the skill if you're firing two, two shots at uh, one shot at a time. So, so I guess also. That allows uh, brawlers and shorter range mechs to get in closer because you're doing less damage on the approach. And mm-hmm. then once they're inside brawling range with SRMs, medium lasers, AC-20, etc., you're doing considerably less DPS to them as well because you have what is supposed to be a mid to long range weapon and they're in close range at this point. Well, so what not... is the, what's the downside of this, though? That's what we haven't addressed. What, what is, if somebody's going to say, no, that's not going to work, what's their reason going to be? Well, the downside would be, from my point of view, would be it's not decreasing volley potential. So, and it, even right now, uh, it, that's, it's not the case. Like, even with the slowdown PPC, it's not decreasing the, the potential of someone to take three ER PPCs and two Gauss rifles or a, a PPC and two AC5s on a Shadowhawk. That doesn't change the volley potential. All it's changing is the fact that now with the PPC change, I have to lead with the PPC and then fire the AC5s. Now, what you're going to see is people are going to shift... Instead of having to use that skill, they're going to shift to something that's a little bit easier to use, which is AC-10 or PPC. If you would have kept the uh, recharge, if you would have, if you would have kept the speed the same but increased the recharge, basically what Tyler you're trying to say is you decrease the DPS, which allows you to close in. And let's not forget jump jets and pop tarting. That's I'm not saying it's out of the wayside, but it's not like the pop tarting that we used to see it's, of it's, yesteryear. it's very uncommon yes. now right so it's more like hey we're gonna use jump jets to maneuver and be able to get over you know obstacles and stuff like that which okay cool that's where they've but it's not like up down up down you know so yeah SRMs are back on the table too it's all fun and games so you get caught with a, a griffin or a shadowhawk or a, anything with three SRM4s or sixes so I just to me I'm like well PPCs have been this culprit at this this issue why not create a a unique system for it like an actual mechanic instead of it just being this ballistic dealing all damage to one area they're strong at long they're strong at short why not make it so if that weapon system and that weight and heat and stuff is just so powerful why not change the mechanic up some type of i'm not saying beam or pulse or just something i mean something even maybe more unique i don't know but, uh, you know, I think we still have to wait and see. Uh, Tyler, definitely let us know next week. What does the comp, think, comp scene think about it? I mean, what are you guys seeing? Is it really changed? Is it more effective? Is it still the most effective? But in certain circumstances, it can be countered with, you know, uh, something else. So it would be nice to, you know, hear that from you and uh, report back on that. Because right now I know it, it just happened. So, all right, uh, moving on. Speaking of which, uh, straight the... <laughs> What are your thoughts on the clan ER large changes of increased duration and heat? Well, first of all, I want to I want to point out that um, when I started playing MWO, I was really into ballistics. I love ballistics. I like the sensation of firing a ballistic weapon. I like the sound. It's just my thing. I I enjoy leading targets. I enjoy the skill associated with a projectile weapon. Um, 
However, I've switched to lasers because of the massive AC nerf that had happened months ago. Um, so it's like, well, can't use these anymore. Let me go to the next thing. So then I started using primary e, uh, ER large lasers, especially on the Raven 3L. I like to shoot and scoot. I do like to kind of be a designated marksman of sorts and just run around and, and harass people range. I'm a ranged fighter. I'm not a camper. I'm a ranged fighter. I like to move around, keep people guessing. So, yeah, lasers, generally very easy weapon to use. Uh, hit scan, not a problem. However, uh, I was using them on an adder, which a lot of people don't like that mech, but I found that the two ER large lasers at the kind of upper torso are really pretty good for kind of like torso leg down tactics. The duration is rough because it, it increases your exposure time, which means you're going to get hit. Um, it, it's, it's, I haven't really enjoyed that. I think that's the biggest thing, the exposure time. And I'm never a fan of, uh, d decreasing the game's, uh, ranged combat to, to an extreme degree. Um, I'm probably going to still, I'm probably going to go back to like Raven 3L 2ER large versus dealing with that exposure time on clan ERs. Not a huge fan of it. It's not going to work as well for me. I don't think. Darren, Brandon. Do you guys feel the same way? Brandon, go for it. Well, uh, for basically almost the same uh, tonnage, I know myself personally, I've been getting out of the clan ERs and more into the pulse lasers because I find the DPS and everything in general is much better. So since the changes, I haven't even been using the uh, ER large. So I can't really say anything. I, I know basically it just hasn't been as good as it once was. Well, in my we, opinion. we talk about this all the time. Like, it's a thin line between something being really useful and used all the time and totally OP and just being, meh, you know, like... Another meh. choice. Yeah, right? Another yeah. choice, maybe. I mean, what we're, what we're basically talking about here is a weapon system that was, or is, four tons that has a range of 890 effective and then double that outwards, not to mention if you throw a targeting comp on there. Um... Everyone was taking them. I mean, it's because they're they're you can boat four of them, and then the most heat neutral weapon, like and like it's it's crazy. So okay, they they didn't need to look at. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad they reverted back to the change. By the way, of the the ghost heat, the heat scale mechanic. I that was um, oh, the ghost soon, heat was brutal. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, um, I was like, uh oh, and they went back. I think you should be able to fire too. I mean, that, that just seems extreme. If you think it's it, limiting it down to one would be like, okay, well, why don't you just nerf the variables of the weapon? Why wouldn't you do that with the PPC first? Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically what they've done is they've increased the heat slightly, and they've increased duration from one and a half seconds to two. Now, I've used this, and I've also used the large poles and mix it up. I don't think this is necessarily bad. And what I mean by that is, at least it's not the go-to for everything. If you know you're on Alpine, I think it's still going to really shine. I think if, if you know, maybe Termaline, well, Termaline's hot, but even Termaline, that wouldn't be bad, like where you have long-range engagements and you can snipe and stuff. So I think situational, it's not bad. And remember, too, what it's basically giving you is you may not be engaging targets at that one-click marker, but you're doing effective damage at 800, you know, 90, 900 meters. So I still think one or two wouldn't be bad. But I don't know if dropping it to, like, 1.85... 1.8 you know nine you know maybe not that quite full two seconds um but straight you know one thing to point out too is just because that setup doesn't work on the adder doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad i mean it just means you have to adapt 
you know, loadouts on, on the adders. Right? No, that's just one example. Um, it's, it's more so just like with my play style, which is limit exposure. Don't get like, I'm a, don't get hit in the first place kind of guy, pop up, shoot, move, you know, relocate, engage from a different side. That's, that's how I fly. If, if, if I have to have a weapon that keeps me out in the open for too long, then that just goes against the way I play. So you're going to see me just say, well, I'm going back to Intersphere. I could do more damage, be more effective in, in a Raven uh, than I can in, in anything that can really hold an ER large. And I'm not saying clans do need a slap on the wrist, but I'm, I'm starting to think that it's always about weaponry when maybe it's going to need to be about something else at, at some point in time. Excel engines. Yeah, I mean, I, I typically, I think, Phil, fall in line with what you were saying in that um, I think the, the ER large were obviously the clan uh, super effective. A lot of people were using I was using them uh, almost exclusively, you know, like um, my Timberwolves, my Summoner. I mean, I just loved those things. Um, and and for my skill level and my ability, I was uh, performing really well with them. Now, I still, I'm yes, I'm totally thankful that the, the special ghost heat was t- removed. Um, I don't think that worked. I don't think it made sense. And so I think at least now they're close. Um, I also agree that it's really nice to have a weapon that's not just an automatic go-to. That it's still something that some people will say, I want to use that. But it's not what everybody's using because it is the most effective thing and, you know, somewhat overpowered or whatever. So I think it's close. I think could it use some more fine-tuning and, and maybe a little bit more of a boost or whatever uh possibly but uh i do think that at least parts of the change went in the right direction now tyler your thoughts on the er large i mean from from your angle yeah it's it's definitely more difficult to use the weapon at close range i'll say to pick out individual locations and deliver the full burn to one of them uh the the weapon is still very effective at extreme ranges especially like on alpine sitting on i9s shooting down onto things you still have your way with people uh but like sidestrafe said uh you're having to expose yourself quite a bit longer and you know it takes the average person like two to five seconds to acquire a target and so by the time your beam's just finishing they're finding you and if they have like a gauss rifle or something or large lasers they can shoot you back so uh, the weapon has been nerfed, and I'm I'm okay. it was strong to begin with for sure. Uh, I'm glad they went back on the the ghost heat limit of one thing, but uh, yeah, maybe bringing it down to 1.75 beam duration would be good. It's the my one of my main problems with the previous changes with PPCs and the ERLRs that we got last week is that it it was too much at once. It was drastic, not as drastic as like the 400 percent strike in uh damage increase that we got a few months ago but uh still i would have liked little changes or at least have like tried this on the public test server first well let's go ahead and roll into like the next topic which is clan versus is balance because i feel like what we're talking about is stems around there's been issues since the introduction of clans like obviously time to kill being very very quick um being able to engage targets at extreme ranges and or deliver a high amount of damage, DPS and volley. And so I just want to sort of dive into one of the topics, which is like lore versus like reality. I mean, lore may dictate clans come back, right? And that they have the superior technology, right? That these these battle mechs, the technology is, is superior in all ways from the engines to the ferrofibrous uh, structure to the endosteel, I mean, all the way down to the fusion engines, uh, you know, the myomer, muscle fibers, everything. It, they're just better. Not to mention the clans are 
you know, Spartan warrior society. I mean, they're trained from like five years old upwards. Should that be used to justify um, the clans, uh, you know, as far as in-game right now, should that be used for balance-wise? Or do you look at reality is it's a game and it has to be balanced and you can keep the flavor unique to the clans, but who cares what the lore says? You know, it, it may, may destroy gameplay. I think we can all admit from a gameplay perspective, the clans are very strong because of their build rules, because of clan XL engine rules, and because their weapons are simply better. They more range, do more damage, etc. So um, I like the individual flavor that, for instance, they gave the autocannon. Their main goal to make clans stronger was then to also add uh, more skill needed to use the clan mech, but that's unfortunately not what we've seen. Uh, laser vomit doesn't take much skill, and that's one of the, the greatest... Uh, weapon combinations you can do in the game is just load up on lasers and spew on somebody. But uh, for long-term game uh, balance, I think we're going to need to drift away from the lore a bit. As much as I hate to say that, I love the Battletech lore, uh, but for the sake of gameplay and the sake of not invalidating everything in the inner sphere like the tabletop game did, the clans are going to need some nerfs. Yeah, I'm going to interject before Sidestrift goes. He'll be coming from, obviously, a, a more non-lore-based perspective. But I believe that um, the lore, the, that's the tabletop, the, the, the all the books, the rule sets, the novels, etc. I think that should be used as a reference. I think every in, in every time we can use something from lore, I absolutely think we should. It makes the game more immersive. It makes all the hardcore Battletech MechWarrior fans happy. Um, it adds flavor and history to the game. So I think in every way that we possibly can, we should. However, a video game is completely different from a tabletop game and novels. And I think if it doesn't make sense for the balance of the game, for making everybody enjoy the game more, I think we should throw it out the window. I mean, I, obviously, I'm not talking like extreme, like, you know, making up weapons that don't exist in the in the lore or, or weird stuff. But I just think the game needs to be balanced as a video game. All right, Strafe, your thoughts. Should we stick to lore <laughs> or reality? I mean, as, as far as I've learned, um, tabletop, in, in many respects, is, was broken anyway. Like, there's a lot of broken rules and mechanics in tabletop. So a lot of things from that are not going to translate to a video game. Um, and I think, too, when you mix player skill in a Twitch atmosphere, you know, people are going to figure things out that are not possible in, in a, in a hex-based game or something. Um so yeah, you definitely have to throw out some of that some of that stuff uh, for the betterment of the game. Um, I would agree to that uh, if if it's just something that's going to help. If if the inner sphere needs to get buffed up in some way to compete with the clans, or, or something has to happen that doesn't exist in the lore table, then go for it. Just because we can see the issues, just clear as crystal. So. I guess what I'm trying to ask too is when you're looking at lore and reality, let, let's break it down. What I'm talking about is. As of right now, we talked about this last week. The the chassis alone, if you if you looked at objectively a clan mech, uh, the Stormcrow, right right now, if you just looked at the chassis alone compared to a Shadowhawk, right Stormcrow XL survivability, Indo Pharaoh, it's half the crit space uh, of what the Shadowhawk can do. That alone by itself, right, is is powerful. But you can't measure that per se in, in a stat, right? I mean, other than the fact that it goes X speed, 
and it has X amount of crit spots, uh, crit slots now available that the Shadowhawk doesn't, right? I mean, I think we can objectively look at that and say, well, the sh- the the Shadowhawk or the Stormcrow is better in some regards than the Shadowhawk in that regard. What I am suggesting is that the idea of keeping the lore, right, these ER lasers and the ER PPC and all this, you can keep that. But why is it that the ER large of the clan is doing 11.25 damage and is literally two times the effect of range of an, of an inner sphere weapon? Like, why why is that? Like, that that's what I'm trying to, you know, why don't we break away and bring in some of those weapons so that there isn't such a huge gap between IS and clan and that it does come down to skill and not just tech. Like, I feel like if I'm doing more damage to you just because I'm in this mech and you have the same exact but the counterpart of IS, is that fair? Like, is that is that the type of, like, mechanics and game that we want? I mean, Tyler? Uh, well, no. If if it's PGI's goal to balance all the mechs and to make all mechs viable, uh, absolutely not. They're going to need to do something to the clan technology to bring it in line with the inner sphere, or do something to the inner sphere to bring it up and in line with the clans. Either way, I'm fine. I'd probably actually be a more of a fan of uh, buffing some of the inner sphere's weapons, uh, but a lot of people have take issue with time to kill and say that it's gotten even worse since the clans came out. Um, I'm not. I don't find the time to kill to be a problem. That's me personally, from how I play the game and how I see the game. Uh, but definitely, something needs to change. Well, it's interesting because I'm seeing a few comments in chat of saying that you know it's a it's almost a hindrance to clan mechs that they can't change their engine or Pharaoh Erndo. Um, I would have to disagree with all of that. You don't have to worry about Pharaoh Erndo. Any any clan mech or any IS mech can take Indo which is 14 crit slots, which means any clan mech, if you could change it out, can take both Indo and Pharaoh and there would be no issues with crit slots. Like, there's no uh, downside to it, not to mention XLs. Okay, they can't go as fast. You have a Timberwolf, 75-ton mech, that could go 89 kph. Don't think that's an issue. Uh, Same thing with the mediums and, you know, salts are sort of balanced out, but they're bringing so much. I just look at it like that. Like I, I feel like what you have to do is you have to break away from lore and reality. You know, and look at reality is you have a pinpoint accurate game, right? And you have the potential to bring a lot of volley damage and DPS potential with some of these mechs. And another cl- uh, uh, note here is we only have two of each weight class of clans, mechs. What happens when we get another four, eight, twelve clan mechs? What clan mechs might be introduced? That cause even I mean and again that's what I come down to I was, I'd rather be beat by skill than the fact that oh well you can hit me at extreme range and do extreme damages that the IS cannon will never be able to counter you know that I guess that's my issue so rolling into the next topic which is the 10v12 discussion uh, we've we've had this thrown around on the, the forums and 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 I've heard people say yay and nay and this could totally be used and I've heard people of the extreme say this is ludicrous you can't balance 10v12 um, I'm gonna say my sense and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Darren but um, 10v12 what are my thoughts right off the bat I think anybody with numerical advantage uh, or uh, numbers will have the numerical advantage in game um, unless you have uh, an extreme sort of like for instance in this case if the clans if you kept them as is 
I still think IS would have the advantage in a 12v10 scenario. But my issue with this is if it's 10v12, does that mean in regular pug solo gameplay, group play, or is this community warfare? And if you do 10v12 and just community warfare, that doesn't solve the issue that they're extremely OP in regular solo and group play. That's my thoughts. Darren? First of all, I love the idea. I love the thought because it's lore based, you know, so neat, right? Okay. But again, this is going back to what I was saying before. I just don't think it's going to work. And you can't, how can you balance it for community warfare, but you're not balancing it for pugs? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think the only way that you can balance in this game is one to one. And while I would, again, anytime that you can go lore based, I would totally be for it, but I just don't think you can do it here. I, I see too many problems down the road, too many issues that will come up. And I think balancing 10v12 will create way more problems than it's going to solve. I'll have to agree. I think as far as like maybe every other weekend or maybe once a month type of thing, having a 10 versus 12 event type of thing would be really fun. Um, but as far as just every day, I'm not a big fan of that. I'd rather it see balanced for 12 versus 12, first of all. And the reason because of that is I see some potential problems like you would have to be the pug queue that 10 versus 12 would go into and even then now with the changes to the pug because i believe it's what groups of four now again um that everyone on your group would have to be either clan or you'd have to be all is you couldn't mix and match you would have to go back to being a single individual again well so what, i guess what i'm asking is if if i'm and we'll have to have clarification on this, but if I'm dropping solo, right, I like I hop in and I just hit play, and I'm in a clan mech, but I'm actually IS, does that now mean I'm fighting for the clans? No. But if the clan tech is superior in all ways, why would you ever play, uh, you know, IS, unless you're forced to in community warfare only? But that doesn't solve the fact that in regular pug play, well, why would I ever take anything but a Timberwolf, you know? Now, I will say, uh, touching on what Brandon was talking about, I love the idea of doing, you know, off numbers for special events, you know, whether exactly. it's... I think, I think 10 versus 12 would work perfectly for events. Like, I think it would be really fun and interesting, um, but I don't think it would work in everyday uh, everyday game type. Yeah, well, like a challenge, if you will. Like, uh, can you, exactly. you know, like 5 you versus take... 10, you know, yeah. 5 Together. versus 8. A couple of weeks ago, actually, Side Strafe and I were doing that during one of his streams. We just got, you know, he has got a lot of viewers, and so we pulled them all in, and we started just setting up for fun. We wanted to see what would happen. Uh, I think we did, uh, we we did a couple different things. Uh, Side Strafe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we did um, one star versus two lances or something like that. And of course, this was just, you know, off the cuff. We weren't prepared for it or anything like that. But it was just fun experimenting and seeing what would happen. And I think the idea of doing weekend events, special events, whether it's community run, whether it's PGI run, whatever, um, I think that's cool because it, it's immersive, again, going back to the lore, and that can add some fun. But I think as far as the game goes in general, you got to balance one-to-one. I mean, and looking how the game is right now, I mean, they just had to rewrite Matchmaker, right, to make everything how it is right now. I mean, doing a 10v12, that would require all new rules to be, you know, created and, and you know, written and... I just, I just don't think it would lead to you know. Uh, I just don't think it would be balanced at all. And I would rather just a one to one balance than a, you know, this this. Uh, <laughs> right back at you. 
I mean, in regards to those tests that we did on my stream, uh, it was the case where the first match or two, the clans were winning, outnumbered, they were winning. Uh, but that was before uh, the individuals involved were on voice comms. So we, we then got them on TeamSpeak, and then we saw, I'm guessing, I wasn't on the channel, but I'm guessing somebody took command of the Innersphere team and said, look, hide here, wait for ambush. And it was kind of, we were talking about like the American Revolution tactics almost, where it was like they were waiting in ambush and, and, and uh, putting their mechs in strategic locations to then beat off the power of the of the clans. It was really cool to watch, actually, because you saw somebody just use better tactics to defeat a superior uh, star of mechs. But the problem is that's only going to happen in, in, in a situation where you have voice communications. I don't know if you were to do that in a situation like a pickup group or whatever, just solo uh, queue you're probably going to have, you know, clans still maybe doing... So, yeah, I, I do agree you have to balance for... You have to balance one-to-one -one before you, you start tampering with team numbers. I mean, and look at just player behavior. I mean, if we're talking about lore, a clan mech warrior and or actually any warrior is subject to Zelbring and the, the honor, you know, a 1v1 scenario unless fired upon by multiple enemies, then it's just freaking <laughs> no holds bars. It's, it's on. How can you enforce that? I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, you'd have some mechanic or whatever, but you can't enforce that. I mean, Tyler, we, we talk about this all the time. People play to win. Uh, a lot of these, the, the comp scene, are playing to win. I mean, they don't care about lore. They don't care about, you know, 10v12. I mean, do you see 10v12? Even, like, at, in the current state of the, the, the game, do you even see that possibly working? In the current state of the game, it is possible with without any further balance changes. Uh, we'll see here on Friday when the PGI is going to host an event, right, where we're going to take some competitive teams and try out this 10v12 scenario. Uh, clans are that much stronger, though, so much so that it's possible that the clans will be able to overcome having two less people on the field with their superior mechs and technology. So I'm really excited to see this. I can't say for certain because I haven't experimented with this yet, but uh, Friday is going to be pretty exciting. So obviously, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think if it, I don't know, like I said, because I'm not just looking at just community warfare. I'm looking at what is everyday Joe Schmo. When, when I drop, when I stream, when I hang out with, you know, buddies, you know, and, and groups of two, three, it, how, how are you going to, you know, balance that? And if they're always... If they are superior in all ways, why would anybody play anything else? You know, so that's that's my main concern. I, I still think balancing one to one is ultimately better because I mean that means no matter where you are in the game, and maybe it's up to the players if you want to do the the, the five v eight, you know, private matches. You want to run your own league to, to handle that. I don't know, and and I don't think it'd just be victory rewards would be enough because. What happens if you're just getting stomped all every single time because they are just superior? I, again, I just have issues. I'd like to add that, like when I stream, I try to, I'm, you know, I'm not no tactical mastermind, but I, I like to point out that that in some cases, well, in most cases, a better player is going to beat a better mech. I, I think that in many cases, it comes down to learning uh, about tactics and, and, and combat and how things are done in the real world, and, and somehow bring that into a video game. And and I think a lot of things, and I've played, I play a lot of games, of course. I've, and I've said this time and time again, the reason I'm enjoying MechWarrior Online so much is that I feel like a lot of my tactics that I've learned from reading or from other people, uh, it, they work better in this game just because there's no weird RNG and stuff like that. But 
I think at the end of the day, I'll, uh, there has to be some accountability on the player and in that it's not always the game's fault. It's not always your team's fault. It's not always something else's fault. Sometimes you just put yourself out in the open and you got shot when you should have moved somewhere else or took cover or utilized the terrain or something. I mean, I think there's all these other things that that are there. And I think in some cases, a lot of us need to start taking a bit more accountability for our actions in any game, not just this game, but all games, because I, I always see blame placed on everything else but the individual so i try you know when i die if i what did i do man oh, i should have went this way i shouldn't have poked out three times in the same location because then that direwolf just alphaed my face off so i think that that's part of it and as a community we need to just be better gamers as well that is so side strafe and if you like that type of opinion which i do too remember he's on youtube check out his videos all right we're gonna move on to one of our next discussion topics um modules Yes, modules. Uh, first off, uh, I just want to ask, radar deprivation or radar derp um, seems like it's pretty damn powerful. I have mixed thoughts, uh, but uh, Tyler, you had something actually quite surprising, but I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, what are your thoughts on radar deprivation, deprivation module? I would prefer that every mech in the game basically had the capabilities of radar deprivation built in. I think that the the amount of time after you go behind cover and the entire enemy team loses lock on you is it's really generous already with how long you get to stay locked even without the enemy having uh, advanced target decay so uh radar deprivation with that module equipped is how i wish the game already was and then advanced target decay uh cuts that or increases the time that you can stay locked to a second and a half once you're behind cover so uh I'm, I'm fine with radar deprivation. It's not pay to win because you can grind up to it. Uh, but a mech with radar deprivation definitely has a significant advantage over one without, especially when LRMs are in play. I'm just trying to think of before radar dep, everyone ran target decay. And if you remove target decay, it's basically back to square one, right? I mean, where you you go around cover and someone would lose lock on you. I mean, that's sort of where it was at already before Target Decay came in. So this is just basically a counter to Target Decay, which now is the go-to, so Target Decay is just lessened, right? I mean, that just basically come full circle. You introduced a module that increased the, the lock-on time when someone went behind cover, and then you introduced a you know another module that basically said, oh, well, it negates it if you don't have that module, and it reduces it if you do, right? I mean, before Target Decay... That was how it worked. You, you went behind cover, you lost lock. Well, with, with advanced target decay before, you got the... Without radar deprivation being in the game, when you went behind cover, there's uh, you got the time for just regular radar fading. But then if you had uh, radar decay as well, or target decay, you had a lot of time for your, say, LRMs to lock or to just see where which direction the enemy's going once they go behind cover. But with deprivation now, if the enemy does not have advanced target decay, you are instantly dropped off the targeting. But if they do have advanced target decay, then you still get the 1.5 seconds from advanced target decay. Yeah, but that, I guess that's what I'm saying is in, we introduced a module that increased that, which, uh, you know, when someone went behind cover, they you lost lock pretty quick, one and a half seconds. It's gone in a flash, right? But And then you introduced... It, it just sort of seems like if you don't take radar depth, you're like, you know, as soon as you drop, like, I'll be streaming and I'll be like, oh shit, I totally forgot my module. Like, 
it seems like if you don't have it, it's, it's like a go-to. It, it, it reminds me exactly what happened to Seismic Sensor, you know, and uh, it Target Decay. Exactly the same thing because it is so powerful. I just feel that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, like, I feel like Radar Deprivation um, and Target Decay are sort of some, some pretty... I, I feel like those two uh, modules in general need to be looked at. In general, like Target Decay and Radar Depth. I just feel like our, our in their current state of the game are way way too powerful. Um, and right now, I would say radar type is more powerful just because it basically trumps uh, target decay to some extent. I mean, your guys' thoughts on this? Is anybody else? I mean, are you happy with it? Or are you just like because I feel like I have an extreme advantage when I drop slow low and I run into people who don't have it. I'm just like, oh, why don't you have it? Like, or, or is it because you just don't know or is it? Well, it could be a preference issue. Like usually <clears throat> my two go-tos are seismic and radar depth. So there's a few mechs out there that I can only take one. And I tend to take seismic over radar depth in those instances. Uh, I don't mind the module though. I mean, you know, I think the LRMs for the most part are in a good space so I don't have any issues. I don't sit there thinking, you know, this I thing is OP. Take, I always take it. If, the, if I have one slot, I take radar deprivation. If I have two, I take radar depth and seismic. If I have three, take radar depth, seismic, and then I do the um, target decay as well. Just because just on the off chance that someone doesn't have target. You know, like. Yep. I just feel like if in that order, should it? I mean, I don't know. It definitely is a must-have module. I agree. It's um, I, t- I take it as much as possible, and I recommend it to pretty much everybody, especially if you're in a slower mech and you can't get to cover. I mean, first and foremost, you want to try to get to cover, not get hit in the first place again, going back to that. But, um, I mean, LRMs, I've got an angry Spaniard that yells at me every day about LRMs. and, and, and <laughs> I, th- LRMs. I think Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would want to see Radar Depth get nerfed or something. I mean, it's, it's what? It's already expensive, right? It's $6 million, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So getting one in the first place for new players is, of course, difficult. Um, you but know, it's versus... also a big thing. Like, yay! But yeah, you, I mean, you have. But you have to. It, you do feel like you have to have it if you're if you're flying around and you kind of just need to to escape <laughs> missile wrath. Oh no! I, I think I would just like those two modules. The module system in general. Uh, I feel like they should be supplemental to to gameplay and/or the usage of your mech. But they shouldn't be a go-to. I, I, does that make sense? Like, I feel like right now on the current state, if I don't take radar depth, I have to take target decay, or I, like I like I, I shouldn't. They should be supplemental, like seismic, um, where it's not like gives me a advantage or disadvantage to like to mm-hmm. to be able to get away from damage and or deliver damage. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the same issues. But now, have you run matches? lately where you haven't taken it and have you oh, noticed yeah. what happened oh my oh my god you get wrecked like See, I, mean, I mean just poking up and just like i mean literally just like poking up from cover cover shooting and going to duck back down but see it, it seems to me like huge. matches with a bunch of LRMs is circumstantial. You get tons of matches where there aren't any LRMs. Involved, it's not just really. about LRMs, though, because a lot of people confuse that. It's not about LRMs. It's about your information. It's just targeting and stuff in general. It's information about where your position is. Yeah. Like, it has nothing, like if I take target at K, it has nothing to do with me taking LRMs or if my friendlies have LRMs. It's the fact that I know exactly for three seconds 
where that person is. But there's people, mean, before this came out, there were people that were getting that information. You know, like, I mean, yes, I agree. But I do think it is still about LRMs. It's about all of this. But, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I just want to bring that up. Uh, next uh, part of the, the modules is weapon modules. This has been sort of an interesting topic because we just had the new weapon module system right where you have consumables you have mech modules and then you have weapon modules and this is pretty much what i've heard from every single person talking about weapon modules meh they're crap they're very 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 situational uh your thoughts on this i mean are they well i mean we only have we only have the one set right now which is increase range for increase heat but i mean if we had more weapon modules to play around with um i think and more options available i think weapon modules could be a little bit more fun to play around with well we have tier one through two yeah or level one i'm not even just talking about that i'm talking ones that do different things like for example one of the ones that i know myself and aces have been talking about is well what if you decreased range for decreased heat i mean stuff like that like different things do more or less first of all i don't want to repeat ourselves from the last podcast we did talk about all this with brian uh we do understand that the you know more tiers are coming i think the big question is should the lower tier modules be made useful so that they're not just a stepping stone essentially right well i have no problem with like it being a a a tier you know like okay you know this one does gives a little bit of advantage and this one you know but to me if when i look at them it's right now it's a trade-off you want a little bit i'm talking about negligible range for heat now on some builds it works like uh the awesome now you can you know if you're rocking you know mediums or large lasers uh, it's actually not a bad module to take but it's very situational basically if you're very heat efficient you can drop a few of these modules on and it's really not that bad but there's really there's nothing else like if this is what to expect out of all future modules if 90 percent of them aren't really ever used I, I to me it's like can is there other ideas out there is there more unique uh attributes that we can give modules instead of just we don't want it to increase dps right i, I feel like dps or volley we, we we don't need that because then they're just go-tos and i, I don't know i mean well Tyler? first of all i would like to be able to pick just like for example you upgrade them all but i would love to be able to just pick uh, I don't know if you can now. I haven't looked at weapon modules for a little bit, but I mean, you can upgrade all all the way up to tier five. But then, isn't the module automatically tier five to begin with? I would like to be able to just take the tier one, tier two, tier three optional. Is that available, or is it still just upgrade to five or upgrade to two, and you only have access to two? You only well, you can only put the level two on. So like, yeah, it's so not I, like you I can would, put I would one like on. To be able to have a you can't bit more stack flexi- them. Yeah, well, I mean that's not what I mean. But I mean like I like to have a little bit more flexibility. Like so, I might be able, I might un- unlock all the way up to, for example, tier three, but one mech. Maybe I just want a tier one, or maybe I just want a tier two. Maybe I don't want to throw on the tier three. So being able to even just switch between the ones available that you have unlocked would be, in my opinion, good. Well, what about other attributes of the weapons? Why not have a uh, you know, like increased velocity on ballistics or whatever module, like a slight increase on that, or, you know, something that would help. Let me yeah. see how nice. I mean, we already have that system, right? Because 
It's or in, even like something the like targeting um, computers have that where it increases ballistics for the the clans. So decrease uh, maybe like for lasers, decrease burn time for a longer recharge rate though, or something like that. I'm just thinking like make them where it's actual useful. You know, I don't I don't know. Like, and I don't want to just to attribute just to maybe damage like and, and volley damage, DPS or volley. I, I don't want that. Yeah. But if but if it's situational, I mean, ballistics right now seem to be like the best modules. The narc seems to be really good. But what we're talking about is stuff that really doesn't affect because those are heat neutral and or their equipment. Yeah, I think that we're going to see this coming. We're going to see them become more useful. Um, remember when Tyler asked uh, Brian, basically, if we have all the variables available to use. Um, so that's not just, you know, the, the, what we have now currently. And basically, uh, Brian was just saying this is the beginning. And, yeah, we can we can go in all kinds of directions with it. So I would like to see, um, well, first of all, I want to see what happens with the, the higher tier modules. and uh, But I would also, I believe, uh, like to see the lower tier modules made better, more useful, as well as lower cost so that uh, new players can afford to get them. And, yeah, I just think they need to be balanced more, fine-tuned. Well, the cost isn't too bad as far as GXP. I'll be honest. Right. That's, that's no, I bad. agree. But the actual cost? C-bills. Yeah, C-bill yes. cost. I think I think modules have been ridiculously overpriced uh, just for the longest time. Definitely. I mean, and it, it, we've said it time and again, like, I would I would buy multiple target deprivation. Like, if, if, if I have a module, for instance, on my K2, I have an AC-10, and I've just left it on, I would do that for multiple mechs. If they weren't two, three, four, six mil each, like I, I just can't, like. Well, just you'd, look at you'd look probably at rate. end up spending more C bills. Yeah, so like, I will. Uh, yes. Phil, how many how many mechs do you have? Like a hundred and some. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's what like, I'm saying. So I mean, like, like, like even if they're like five hundred thousand, because that's like what two games. So even if they're five hundred thousand a piece, you would still end up spending more than the six million because you, I'd put them on and just leave them on there. Like, yeah, I wouldn't even care. Yes, and yes, like, and we've we've talked about this on a previous podcast as well of wire like it, it looks to be like a c-bill sink which i understand but what i also don't understand is i would actually spend more c-bills if the price was lower like i can't justify buying six modules for 36 million but i can justify spending 10 million you know like 10 you know like i don't know that i'd spend 20 million on 20 of them i mean there's the, I mean, yes, you and I both have tons of mechs as, as well as a lot of other people out there. However, you could probably on two hands, maybe three, count the ones that you use the most and you would always have those modules in there. I would easily buy 20 of them at a million a pop rather than uh, the two I have right now at six this million. Is, this is current gameplay for me. Come out of a mission. Switch everything. Switch mechs. Switch every- yes. Do you know how inconvenient that is? Like, do you know how convenient? I will say the auto refill is. It's amazing. Right, but when I switch, I I don't like. I should already have those modules, but I can't right now because they're so damn expensive. Like I just, it's not realistic. So, anyways, I just want to bring that up. That I still think like prices are ah. Well, they cost more than a mech in some cases, or as much as you know. I mean, if six million, you could buy a mech, and so most people are like, well, I'm not going to buy that module. And I think modules and equipment in all kinds of games. I play a lot of free to plays, are a symptom of. Free to plays. They're they're a way to influence uh, purchasing. Uh, they're a way to you know keep the the economy at at a certain level. I think you know you got to keep spending. Why do you got to keep spending? Well, so that people are going to want to get MC and things. Let's just face it. That's just a free to play thing. So I'm all for more ways to customize mechs. Totally any day of the week. 
but I think that it has to be balanced, especially when the UI is not allowing you to easily swap the things. Because at the end of the day, talking to hundreds of people, they say, like, I, you know, if it's going to be hard to, to move my modules, I'm still just going to do it because I'm not paying this much for more. And, and people will be stubborn about it. I've been stubborn about it. The prices need to go down. All right. So we're going to move on to the next topic. And this is actually something uh, we got Nico here to uh, talk about. But uh, unit creation is kicking off phase one. And this is next Tuesday, by the way. Uh, there was a post um, from Russ that was basically saying this might, you know, extend over a few days from the 19th, uh, you know, onward into the 20th, uh, you know, 21st and stuff, just because this is a pretty big thing. But basically, phase one is unit creation. Um, you know, Brian also confirmed that there was no size limit to the to form and there was no start cost, which is really, I think, awesome because uh, I feel like to put it, I mean, it, anyways, I, I feel like that was a good call on their part. Here, but, here. Um, um, just all together uh, because it puts it behind a wall. It, some people can play more than others, and, and it's, it's just not fair. But anyways, starting today, Nico, you just you just opened a can of worms. And by the way, I just want to say, <laughs> Nico, seven thousand some odd entries. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, how many how many years have you been compiling this list? <laughs> so what's going on right now is we have pre-registration for units, uh, and we've got a link that's already uh, down and I think people are already starting to do this so if you meet certain criteria you can go home and pre-register your unit well Nico um, you want to give us the uh, the info we've got the unit pre-registration up and running now it's open to founders right away and on Sunday we'll be opening it up to everybody else so I mean looking at this you have a thread of rules and unit pre-registration uh, it's pretty lengthy uh, can you just sort of talk about you know, talk about that. What was some of the concerns with, you know, you and the team behind this? Well, okay. The first off was the scheduling. We wanted to make sure that there was something in there special for founders. Then uh, we also had, uh, well, we wanted to make sure that founders had something special because we recognize a lot of them were setting up units well into closed beta without any sort of Mercore association built into the game yet. The, then obviously on Sunday at noon we'll be letting all of the other players start pre-registering as well. Uh, part of the process of this is that we're asking uh, players to provide a URL to their earliest recruitment thread. This is just a way of us fact-checking to make sure that it is indeed the earliest use of that uh, of that unit. Unit names have to be between 1 and 36 characters and they have to be unique. There's also unit tags, which is just a small identifier uh, used in-game, for example, on the scoreboard, where we just didn't have the real estate to put the full name. So there's a full one to four character long unit tag that is not unique. Beyond that, you can use any alphanumerics, uh, uppercase, lowercase, zero to nine, with dashes, parentheses, apostrophes. There's a long list of other symbols that we won't take, however, so be sure to check those rules to make sure. We also won't be taking any unit names which uh, uh, have any profanity, any questionable language. And then we've come to the big aspect, which is regarding lore-based names. So we had to approach this really, really carefully because we recognize that a lot of players have been using uh, lore-based names well beyond MechWarrior Online. They've been using it since, you know, Battletech Tabletop in their basement or MechWarrior LAN parties. So our biggest concern there was how do we 
get that in there so that players can still be able to represent those units that they really love and are attached to, but without occupying the unit name and preventing others from having the same problem. So to that end, we've set up a series of rules wherein basically the unit names in their pure form are considered banned. They are not to be used by players for creating their own units. And that includes using, you know, uh, using leaf speak or symbols, uh, trying to add the word B in front of it. Basically, if, if you want to be Wolves Dragoons, you have to put some sort of unique identifier to it. So you can be the Wolves Dragoons of Canada, you can be Wolves Dragoons Espanol, you can be uh, the 155th Wolves Dragoons. But the Wolf's Dragon's name itself, since it's such a strong lore-based name that so many people have an attachment to, so many different groups, it's just not something we could make publicly available at this time. I was going to say, if you haven't seen the list, uh, by the way, there are 7,136 unit and or organization and or company or anything affiliated with Battletech names. Uh, in there, and you can check that out. It is also in the uh, the the link, and we'll provide this in the the show notes. But well, it's I mean, quite lengthy. Well, I mean, Nico, you took so long to type it out. I mean, I think it's only fair that you say each and every single one, so the people know. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is the list that goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, no, but chapter uh, one, the mm. ones. So obviously, this means phase one of community warfare. It is kicking off um, next Tuesday patch, and it'll be pretty cool. I mean, and I'm really excited about this. I mean, I know a lot of people would be like, "About freaking time!" Uh, but it is going down. Um, you're soon going to be able to units, and then obviously community warfare, the actual like fighting part starts, and all that kicks off. But I think affiliation and getting that uh, up to date. And if you haven't read the latest. Um, post command chair by the way from uh, paul he breaks down what you're able to do ranks and money and coffers and stuff like that and i think that's actually really cool is that the coffers <laughs> some people got a lot of sea bills so uh, they'll be able to share the love uh with that but uh, um so is hold on i should verify is that next tuesday or is that is that still the the, the where we might have to push a little bit on it we're we're pushing for it, but I don't think we'll be able to get it right for Tuesday, which is why we're pushing for this uh, pre-registration. Well, tell Carl to, to stay later than 11.30 each night. He, he's not allowed <laughs> yeah. to go home. Actually, you might as well just bring your sleeping bring bag. Bring a sleeping bag, man. Bring a sleeping bag pizza, toothbrush. Um, and uh, make sure Russ brings the donuts in the morning. And uh, a no community knife. shower, you're just going to have to put up with it, guys. Sorry. That's just the way it is. And... Uh, yeah. No, but, as long uh, as we get to have a pillow fight. Whoa. Isn't that whoa. how you start every day? Mm, pillow fights. All right, so super excited. Um, I guess we'll uh, keep you guys informed, Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, you know, just pre-registrate. It's a big freaking task. I, I do not envy you. And obviously, you have to verify each uh, unit name and all that. And um, Question about the units. What about logos? Um, are you guys going to be handling that at a different time, or did I miss the memo on that? This is coming down the line. And no, you cannot have a penis on your logo, Phil. Now, let's move on to the quick mentions. We're running we've, out of time. We've already figured that problem out. We're sure. over Darren's 45-minute comfort zone, so uh, I think I'm well gonna, over. You know, 
No, okay. So, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the quick mentions. First off, Vindicator artwork is flipping out. I will say this. This mech is going to be pretty interesting um, when you guys get to see it. And I think uh, you expect a preview, sneak preview video. Soon. Uh, soon. Very, very soon? soon from NGNG TV. We'll have that up for you guys. Um, and I think, uh, Darren, we may even, I don't know. Well, either you're going to see Monday. The- yeah, you're either gonna see, I, you're either gonna see the vlog first, which will have some um, action from the Vindicator, or you'll see the preview video and the vlog at the same time. But yeah, lots of good footage coming. You will see it before it is out. Uh, also, with that, uh, someone someone over at uh, Reddit was like, "Oh, it'll probably be the size of a quick draw." No, it's actually not. It's, it's, it's the size of an atlas. It's yeah, no, it's. Two it's in size with uh, Medium X, uh, so don't worry about that. And I will say it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think you guys will like it. I like it. All right, uh, another quick mention. Shirts are in stock. By the way, we're about to order um, some new Hex shirts. Uh, we're doing a new run, new updated, and we're using the new vendor, which is awesome. Also, to note, we will be doing another run of the uh, Hex Marauder, and then the Warhammer, and then the Rifleman shirts. So, when we do those, I'll put them up for pre-order for like a week. So, if you want one, you can guarantee and go ahead and lock it down and stuff. But uh, those are kicking off within the next week. So, just pay attention and I'll post and all that on Facebook. But, uh, yeah, the, the old Marauder one, we've had a lot of people inquire about that. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing another uh, another one of that. Uh, speaking of which, the uh, new album for Armored uh, Combat. Hey, guys, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for, you know, those who, that have bought and uh, supporting uh, Animatronic and NGNG at the same time. Um, Shout-outs to Animatronic for that, and, of course, you can check it out. You can listen, preview all of them. You can buy individual, or if you want to just want to buy the uh, the actual full album. And um, I'm going to actually speak on this next issue. <laughs> RSS feed, Darren. Yes. Um, a lot of people have been bugging us for a long time about two things. One is uh, recently, over the last probably, I don't know, a couple months, Something's wrong with our RSS feed as well as iTunes, which has been had issues for a long time. Uh, we figured out what was wrong with the RSS feed. It wasn't on our end. It was on SoundCloud's end. Um, their tech support is now looking into it. They, basically, the, the RSS feed coming from SoundCloud is borked. They're not seeing our newer episodes, so it's on them. They're on it right now. They're going to get it fixed, and then immediately our RSS feed will be fixed. And then as soon as that's fixed, I'm getting on a phone call with iTunes, and we will be back up on iTunes. So everything is coming to a conclusion. It's all going to be working again. My apologies to everybody uh, who hasn't been able to listen to podcasts, has wanted to, has been inquiring. Uh, it is going to be solved. But, sir, did you restart your computer? Oh, my and... God. This guy kept trying and... to blame it on me. You know, he kept pointing it. Well, no, uh, you, yeah, it took There's a long like... time. Darren's like this guy's saying that our pod, like our podcasts aren't set up for the podcast RSS feature. Yeah. So I like I go and I look. I'm like, no, it says podcast right there, and then it's a green check mark where it says to initiate the podcast. And I'm like, no, it's on there. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. Blame. Problem uh, solved. Blame Darren. So, anyways, yeah, there's that. So, anyways, we got uh, hopefully that taken care of, and of course, new shirts uh, coming. And the Vindicator, by the way, uh, that will be out next Tuesday for mc and then the available variants for mc and then dc bell versions and and all that but um that's coming out so we'll get to a, just clarify uh, it's the hero mech next yes Tuesday. not you said for mc first and then not oh yeah. yeah 
The Hero Mech for MC, yeah. Well, yeah, but I didn't hear the Hero Mech part. I don't know if you can. You can't buy it for cookies. I mean, you can try. I don't know. I could bribe the beef. Beef is trying. He keeps trying to buy things with cookies. I will bribe the beef with cookies to get a Vindicator. All right, guys. A big thank you to our community, our listeners, new and old, and, of course, our amazing staff and our sponsors. Of course, if you'd like to become a sponsor, head over to our website and forums. Click that donate button. You guys get uh, your own avatar and forum section and stuff like that. And, of course, you help support stuff like this TeamSpeak 3 server and other things. Anyways, guys, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who showed up for the live audience. You guys are awesome. Hopefully, you've had a great day. And to all of you guys, thank you, Nico, and, of course, Strafe for joining us. And, again, if you haven't checked out Sightstrafe's YouTube channel, do it now. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy Mechware podcast signing off for tonight. This is Phil. And this is Darren. This is Brandon, also known as Patrick Hill. This is Tyler. Side straight out. Take care, guys. Nico out. Until next time, Mech Warriors. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube at No Guts No Galaxy TV, on Twitch at NGNG TV, on Facebook at No Guts No Galaxy Podcast, and on Twitter at No Guts No Galaxy. It'd be best if you avoid me, but I know you probably can't. You sense something is wrong with me, you can feel it on my skin. But there is more with Maybe I can be closer now But I don't know how Please help me remove my metal skin My metal skin My metal skin And the wires Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever